0: Ezra chapter 9, Ezra chapter 9 and verse 8, the Bible says this, And now for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place, that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. Father in heaven, we do come to you once again in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we and the freedom to meet like this, for people that want to meet, for a nice place to meet. Thank you, God, for a great spirit and the, and the, and the great responsibility to stand before these people. And I'm humbled by it, and I put my faith and trust completely in you to help me to say something that will matter to anybody. So please, I pray that you'd uh, just meet with us tonight and as we wrap this up. And if there's somebody else in here that's not saved, I pray that you'd make it easy for them to see that uh, they need to get it nailed down. Amen. A lot of people, especially in the South, they know who Jesus is. But I pray that tonight perhaps someone would meet him as Savior if that's the need. I love you tonight, Lord, and I pray this in Jesus' name. What I was saying about Lord gave it back to me. What I was saying about the man of God thing is that there's a tendency in the ministry for men to take themselves too seriously. So when you see us kid around and joking around, and uh, and uh, we don't do that as part of any, uh, you know, learned technique. We have just learned that, that to take Jesus Christ, to take the Lord's Bible as seriously as we should, we have to learn not to take ourselves. Too serious. I came from a lifestyle where I took myself very, very seriously. And it was a life and death lifestyle. And when God saved me, that took a lot of pressure off. Amen. The pressure of having to try to be something is over. All we have to do is try to acknowledge him for who he is. That's a blessing. All right. That's what I want to say now. It says this verse. I have used this verse, I have revival messages out of this verse. It's a great verse to springboard from because the last part of it it said, and to give us a little reviving. And then one day I got to look in it and there's like six or seven individual aspects of revival within the verse. And I preached that. And uh, But tonight there's a part of the verse that, uh, let's look at it again. And now for a little space, grace, grace has been showed from the Lord our God It says, to leave us a remnant to escape. Tonight, I want to preach on the remnant. There's a principle, I call it. I don't think I learned it. I might have heard it. Uh, But we call it the remnant principle. Amen. Remnant means that which is left after separation, removal, or destruction. And I'm happy to report tonight that no matter how bad things got, In the, in the, in in the history of God's people, uh, in regard to them going apostate, which they did several times, seriously, there was, which by the way, always led, still always leads to captivity. When the church goes, when the, when God's people, now the church goes apostate, like it's headed as fast as it can go, captivity is right around the corner. Every time. Amen. And uh, But what I'm trying to say, and I'm happy to be able to report, that no matter how bad it got, there was always a faithful remnant that refused to go with the flow. And the reason that's important to me uh, is when you read Revelation chapter 3, and verse 15 says, The Lord speaking, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Amen. Uh, I'm glad when I read that. And, and the testimony of the land is seed in church. Is, because thou sayest I'm rich and increased with goods. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable. I should have wrote it down. Amen. You follow me? That's the testimony of the church age that we live in. And I'm happy because there's a principle in the Bible that teaches us that no matter how far, how far off course it gets, there has always been a few, there will always be a few that refuse to go with the flow. And that's the crowd I want to stick with. And that's a crowd, bless God, I'm going to stick with. Amen. I don't want that to be my testimony that I think that I don't need anything. I need God more. The more I, the, the longer I know him, the more I realize I need him. Amen. And you'll do good when you get to that point, too. Now, it says this. I want to say this. Um, it says, I would that thou were cold or hot. Now, we know what cold is. Okay, you guys don't. You think you're in winter, don't you? Oh, I'm going north tomorrow. Amen. And, and, and they are coming out of it. But let's say this, let's say cold is 32 degrees. That's, uh, that's something you've probably never seen here. Or... That's, that's, uh, freezing point of water. Hey, hey Amen? Is that cold? 32? Right? Yes. Nod your head. You're from Idaho. You know what cold is. But how about hot? How about hot Arizona? How about, how about, you know, 120 in the shade? I got churches out in Arizona and they say, well, it was hot today. It is 119, it is. 120. I'd say, that's why I go there in January. Are you kidding me? That's hot. 120, it, uh, it, that's hot. 32, that's cold. But it says I would that word cold or hot and, and not lukewarm. You know what the temperature of lukewarm is? 98.6. That fits. That's the temperature of the church in the land of thean age. Body temperature. It's all about flesh. Because I think I'm i rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. That's what happens when the flesh is running the show. And listen, I remember when the flesh was running the show, it wasn't a pretty sight. I don't want to go back to that. Amen. I want to be with those that stick with it. Amen. And so, and we know that. We've got a Bible. We're Bible believers. And, uh, and uh, but I want to uh, remind you of something. We're still capable of it. We're still capable of coming to that mentality because Second uh, Peter chapter 3 and verse 17 says, uh, to Peter. Peter says that these folks after talking to him about the flood, about the second coming, about the millennium, about I mean some deep stuff in there and then when he gets through all that, talked about the second coming, talking I said that talking about the earth burning up, global warming is scriptural at second Peter 3 and, uh, and then he says this at the end of the chapter he says, ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things." Before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. So we all have to keep our guard. We know a lot of things, but we need to keep our guard up because we can fall. Amen. Amen. I'm paying ameners next time. All right. How much? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. All right. So take your Bible now go to Malachi. That was the intro. Go to Malachi chapter 3. I should have an amen section right here. Pay attention, boys. Come on, I need your help. Amen. Malachi chapter 3, Israel is in uh, captivity again. I don't know who it was that said that uh, what you learn from history is that men don't learn from history. Somebody else said that if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. Boy, ain't that the truth. And Israel now is in captivity again. and uh, But I'm just happy to report this is an uplifting message to leave you on, especially in light of you're going to take an offering later. I mean, I don't want to yell at you too much. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Uh, there's a remnant, and we're going to read about it in verse 16. And it says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And there are three definitive attributes in that verse, amen, of any, any remnant, regardless of the age. There's some things in there that we can get a hold of and embrace and implement. Amen. So, number one. I already prayed. Number one, it said, but they that feared the Lord. That's a serious ingredient uh, to being part of the remnant, is to maintain a healthy fear of the Lord. The Bible says in, uh, in Proverbs 1 and verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Amen. It's the beginning. That's where it starts. That ain't all of it, but that's where you get on board. Amen. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fear of the Lord's the beginning of wisdom. We live in a day and age where uh, Republicans fear Democrats, Democrats fear uh, liberals, uh, we fear China, we fe- I don't know what we fear. We fear COVID, we fear we fe- we fear everything but God. Amen. Uh, there's a word there's a word that's been uh, uh, brought I'll, I'm going to call it trendy. And I don't even know what that means. I'm just going to admit it. I don't even know what that word means. I don't really like it. But it fits here. So it's better than the word that, that I'm trying to get to is phobia. You hear phobia. Because I don't want anybody to think I'm going to the Greek or the Hebrew. Because I don't have any idea which one it is. It might be Latin. I don't care. But it sounds kind of, you hear it on the news. Phobia. It means extreme or, iras- or irrational fear. Say phobia. Yeah, you've heard it. You've heard it. You've heard homophobia. Homophobia. If you're not sure what that means, I'll help you. If you believe marriage is between one man and one woman, you have it. You have homophobia, sir. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. That's what it is. If that's what they call us, and there's something else. There's something. I never heard of it until uh, like 20-some years ago, Islamophobia. Islamophobia. Amen. So if you have a problem with Muslim terrorists killing Americans, you have Islamophobia. Amen. See, you didn't even know it. And now there's something, because of the border thing, they, they come up with a word xenophobia. I am not making this up. Don't Google it on your little smartphone while I'm preaching. But you can look it up later. There's something called xenophobia. And you know what that is? That is a that is a fear of strangers or foreigners. Xenophobia. So it, 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 if you're against open borders, then you've got xenophobia. Yeah. I mean, what's the phobia name for common sense? Amen. I'm, so far, I, I mean, is there a medic in the house? I got all that. Amen. I got all them phobias. Uh, but I was looking the word up with some stuff that I, we hear about in the news, uh, there's other, there's other phobias. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give them to you. There's something called ergo, ergophobia. I promise, I'm not making this up. You know what that is? That's a fear of work. <laughs> That's a fear of work. Amen. I mean, a few years ago, if you go to a restaurant and they put you on a waiting list, it's because they're busy. Now you go to a restaurant, and there's 20 tables open, and they put you on a waiting list, and it's because they don't have workers. I said to somebody, how do people survive if they won't work? And somebody said, the government sends them a check. And I said, where do I submit my address? (laughs) Amen. Uh, somebody said this years ago. You know how you starve a lazy man? You hide his food stamps under his work boots. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't even know if they have food stamps anymore. Now they just probably scan a chip. I don't know. You know, who knows? But uh, that's called ergophobia. And uh, and uh, this is really funny. We're, her and I were uh, wherever. We're somewhere. And uh, here's a Coca-Cola bottling plant right on the corner of an uh, exit. On the interstate. Coca-Cola bottling plant, big plant, big sign right there at the ramp. It says, no hiring. And right in front of the sign, there's a panhandler sitting there with a little sign and a whatever, a bucket or something. And you couldn't miss the visual. As we're turning on the ramp. Here's a guy begging. And here's a big old company that probably pays pretty good. Amen. You can't get away from the irony. ergo. Ergophobia. I promise that's real thing. There's something else. There's something else. Toretto. Torettophobia. Torettophobia. You know what that is? That's the fear of giving birth to monsters. <laughs> now I thought, surely. I thought, surely. Surely that's not real. Somebody's watching too many horror movies. But then I walked by the nursery in a church one night, and some of the sounds that were coming out of there, I thought, wow, some people really do give birth to monsters. Amen. It's probably a valid uh, phobia. I don't know. And uh, here's another one. Hamarto. Hamartophobia. And uh, you know what that is? That's a fear of sinning. I'm praying for a pandemic to break out of that. Amen. Ecclesio. Ecclesiophobia. You know what ecclesio is? That's called out assembly. That's a fear of church. That's a fear. I, you know, that's the vaccine they need to be working on. Amen. <laughs> to help the people that are afraid of going to church. Amen. And then, uh, then there's Haiti phobia. Haiti phobia. That's a fear of going to hell. All them years in the bike gang, 41 funerals I went to, the last thing I said to every one of them was, I'll see you in hell, brother. But uh, I had done what what, uh, what a lot of people do. You take the fire out of hell, and uh, it's going to be a big party. And uh, I had a magnet on the back of one of my cars that said, uh, said the party in hell has been canceled due to the fire. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, and so I didn't think nothing about it because we just, you know, like, again, like Hollywood, like rock music, we take the fire out. Just a place where bad people are going to go. And, uh, then the preacher came and I'm in jail and I went to a church service just to get out of my cell. And he preached on a Luke 16 and he preached on weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. He preached on a lake of fire. And I was too stinking proud to let some preacher think he got through to a tough guy gang member like me. But I'm gonna tell you something about the word of God. When it goes in, when the truth goes in, it ain't coming out. It's gonna work. And it worked and it chipped away. And I had I had Haiti Phobia for about three weeks. Boy, and I, t- I took that Bible they gave me, and I laid it on the floor next to my rack in Cell Two E Three North, and I asked Jesus Christ to forgive me. Amen. And I ain't had phobia since. <laughs> Are you saved? Amen. I hope you don't have it. We got a vaccine for that. It's called the truth. Amen. All right. There's another one. I think this is the last one. Euphobia. Euphobia. You've heard the word euphoric. Euphobia is a fear of hearing good news. Now, I'll tell you why that is so tragic, because the best news I ever heard personally was that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me so that I wouldn't end up in hell. And I'll tell you what, people that are in fear of hearing good news and never acknowledge the good news of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, they end up with Haiti phobia forever. Amen. So, we're talking about phobias. We're talking about number one. We're talking about a remnant. The Bible said in our passage of fear, uh, uh, okay, what did it say? I got it somewhere. It said they feared the Lord. I'm in the wrong chapter. It doesn't matter. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, truth be known, people fear all kinds of things. People fear snakes. Amen. Let me tell you something. Let me help you, help you. I wouldn't say girls, but boys too. If you're afraid of snakes or spiders, don't tell anybody. That's exactly what they're going to tease you with. Don't do it. Don't do it. Some people are afraid of closed spaces. Claustrophobic, right? Right? I had an MRI done when I was in jail. I had Bell's palsy. And uh, and so I, I'm there at the hospital, and the marshals are there, and they had to take the handcuffs off. And uh, I'm, they're going to put me in this coffin-like thing, this MRI. Some of you have had them. And it was pretty close. It was, it was definitely the most close than I ever been to being in a coffin, and then they said to me, they said to me, "All right, all right. If if, if it's gonna this affect people differently, and it's gonna get loud, and if you get scared, you push the button." They gave me a panic button, and when they're rolling me in there, I thought to myself, "I will die in there before I push that button. I don't care how I'm scared I get." <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Some people are afraid of closed spaces. Some people are afraid of heights. A lot of people are afraid of heights. Amen? I was a paratrooper in the United States Army. You know what people say to me? I could never jump out of airplanes. I, I'm afraid of heights. I said at 2,000 feet, everybody's afraid of heights. You know, do we didn't do it because we weren't scared. Amen? We just did it because somebody needs to sometimes. Uh, those fears are kind. Some of them kind of come natural, and, and some of them are kind of strange. But uh, there's one that's neither. It says this in Psalm thirty-four, and verse eleven: "Come, ye children, hearken unto me; I will teach you the fear of the Lord." Amen. The fear. Here, let me let me condense the fear of the Lord. Let me give you a Dave Spurgeon uh, definition: the fear of the Lord is remembering who He is, as compared to who you. are. That will work. That is called keeping it in perspective. The fear of the Lord is remembering. Your flesh does going to tell you this, but the fear of the Lord is remembering you are not the center of the universe. Not even close. Apostasy. We're talking about a remnant that didn't go into apostasy. Let me say this. Apostasy is not unbelief. That's atheism. Apostasy is a result of the fear of God diminishing in your life. That's why Christians do the things they do. They don't fear God anymore. Amen. They've gotten used to that grace and mercy and long-suffering and patience. Amen. You know what? You know where a lot of them end up? Apostate. Off the deep end. Oh, they're still saved. And they can still believe the Bible. But one of the key ingredients to the remnant in any age, and it is effective today, is to maintain a healthy fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. Amen? So this will help. This will help. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 2. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 2. says this, That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to, watch this, to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son, and thy son's son. That's why your testimony is so important. All the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged, that thou mightest fear the Lord. The evidence is keeping all his statutes and commandments. Psalm 111 and verse 10 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding. Have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. So how seriously we sing about it, we wave it. How seriously you take the word of God is a pretty good indicator of how much you fear the Lord. Amen. You want to be part of the... Remnant number one ingredient was fear of the Lord, and then then I'm going to have to find my the text now so I can read it, and I'm going to read it, and the verse. And then it said, "If Malachi three sixteen said, then they that feared the Lord." And then it says this: Spake often one to another, spake often one to another. You know what another ingredient to the remnant is fellowship. Fellowship. It is important to fellowship with other Christians. Acts chapter 11 and verse 26, the Bible said, And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Amen. And uh, this remnant, this remnant at the early church, they had to be a tight-knit group because they didn't fit in anymore with the inhabitants of the place they lived. They weren't of a different culture, a different color, a different language. What changed was spiritual. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When they got saved, they became new creatures in Jesus Christ. That put them in the minority. Just like we're in the minority, beloved. That's why it's more important than ever that we maintain a healthy fellowship relationship with each other. An opportunity for that early group of Christians to meet wasn't just an obligatory assembling. It was a chance to gather with like-minded people, just like it still is. Amen. And I'll tell you what, that speaks of the real value fellowship of revival meetings. Amen. It's important to come to church every service. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek. I would encourage everybody to get in every service you can. Every prayer meeting you can. We need this. Amen. And then on occasion, pastor will be led to designate a time like this, like we've done this week. Give everybody a chance, plenty of notice, pray about it, put the cares of this life on the back burner get a concentrated dose of the Word of God and the singing of the songs of Zion and fellowship one to another, it's important. And this coming together like this, speaking often one to another, is an important difference between showing up and live streaming. I understand. Live streaming is a tool. I used to be a mechanic. I have a toolbox. I didn't try to do everything with a hammer or a half-inch wrench. I believe in using all the tools in the toolbox. We found out during COVID that it can be a great tool to get the Word of God into the hearts of people that are hindered from coming to church. What we also found out is that some people got really comfortable with just watching church from their living room. Amen. And what you do, I'm trying to help you out. The, the problem with that is you're missing out on a very important aspect. Singing those songs is important. The preaching's great. You say, I can listen to sermon audio. Yeah, you can. And whoever's preaching on sermon audio, no matter how good the preaching is, it doesn't take the place of the man of God opening his Bible and preaching what God told him to preach for you. Because he gives account. For your soul. And bless God for them internet preachers. They don't know who's listening and who ain't. You can feed your spirit if that's the only choice you have. But I say beware of missing out on a very important aspect of getting together as often as you can. Say, what is it? That book says in Proverbs 27 and verse 17. Iron sharpeneth iron. And so a man sharpeneth the comments of his friends. And you're not going to sit at home and get sharpened like you will when you interact with other believers, just like that early church. Amen. Amen. So I'm not putting it down categorically. There's a place for it. But don't let it become a substitute for what Jesus Christ established and what Paul References over and over and over. I asked a lady one time, uh, uh, where do you go to church? And she said, and it was a I she act talked like a Christian, acted like a Christian. Uh, and I thought she was. I was gonna find out where a good church was. She goes, she goes, Oh, I don't. I don't go to church. But it's all right. God knows my heart. That's what she said. Let me tell you something. It's not alright to not be where God has told us clearly that you should be. If you can be. Amen? It's not alright. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and unto good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We might like to We know we have in a Bible to know that the signs of the time indicate that the day is approaching. And this world doesn't know, have any idea what that's talking about. And I dare say that there's a lot of churches in America today. They also don't have any idea what day that is. It is what it is. But you do. And an empty pew does not exhort anyone, on the contrary it will discourage. We need this. God established it. Amen. And we need to, let me just give you a a Bible example of how important it is. Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. This is again, this is the early church. It said, And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. The evidence of the filling of the Holy Ghost is speaking the Word of God with boldness, contrary to whatever else you might have heard. It ain't barking like a dog, it ain't babbling in some unknown tongue. The evidence of the filling of the Holy Ghost is speaking the Word of God with boldness. Three things you see in those verses, that verse that I just read. Number one, It mentions the Word of God. It mentions prayer. And it mentions uh, being assembled together. My pastor told me as a young Christian, he said, David, if you want to make it. He's not talking about making it to heaven. I'm already saved. I'm no more saved now than I was then. He said, if you want to make it, if you want to finish your course, like Paul did. He said three things. I like it simple. I don't like it complicated. I like it where you can grasp it. He said, stay in the book, stay on your knees, and stay in church. And I got a hold of it. And I did it. And I'm still doing it. And I intend to keep doing it because I want to make it. And I don't take it for granted that I will. That's why I got... It's like, God, give me a heart because she's not going to let me backslide even if I wanted to. Verse 32 there in Acts 4 says this, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Verse 33, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace. Was upon them all. Uh, upon them all who? Upon them all that were assembled together and in unity. And these folks, remember, church history, these folks were under Roman rule and persecution. I mean, you can, it's common sense. Don't you think they needed all the grace they can get? Sure. <laughs> in this nearly godless world that we live in right now, don't you and I need all the grace we can get? It's not a secret formula. It's an important overlooked aspect of the formula for success that the Lord gave the remnant to survive in any age. And it was fellowship. They spake often one to another. And then the verse goes on and says, and we're talking about Malachi 3, and it said this, and the Lord, they spake off one another and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance, excuse me, was written before him for them that feared the Lord. And then it says this, and they thought upon his name. Number three, I want to leave you with this tonight, the importance of staying focused. They thought upon his name. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse four tells us this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We need to learn to stay focused. The preacher emphasized the importance of that last night and mentioned some of the things that, uh, that are very successful in getting us unfocused. Let me put it like this. Deeds originate in the mind. Things come into the mind, whatever puts them in. Sometimes they cook for a while. Amen. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes you'll get a thought and act on it. Next thing you know, you're doing something you shouldn't have done. But everything starts right here, beloved. Amen. Amen. And uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 26, verse 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. An important aspect of, of every remnant, and including today, was to stay focused. Whether under persecution or captivity, they knew their spiritual survival uh, depended on staying focused on the Lord, not, dist- not distracted, By the cares of, you really don't think the cares of this life are something that's like new to the human experience. There's always been opposition to living for God. Amen. And it isn't always spiritual. Your flesh isn't interested in living for God. Your flesh isn't interested in setting its affection on things above. It wants the nasty now and now. See, feel, touch, hear, taste. All them five senses all had to do with this. And we need to stay focused. That's why, that's why there's so much input from every direction and that's why we need to get together as often as we can. Amen. And stay focused, encourage one another to stay focused on the Lord. Why? Because your spiritual survival depends on the same thing. Staying focused. It's a significant characteristic of any remnant. They thought upon his name. And if you don't want to end up in the apostasy, of Revelation 3, which is going on all around us, you need to stay focused. Amen? Three things. Not hard. Very simple. The text again said this, uh, Malachi 3.16, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And God's more interested in this than we are. And, uh, and, uh, and let me see. A book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought on his name. Three things. That's what I promised. Three things out of verse 16. Fear the Lord, fellowship together, and focus on the Lord. They worked then. They work now. Let me give you one more thing. <laughs> out of verse 17. Look what it says. And they shall be mine saith the Lord of hosts in that day when I make up my jewels and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son who serveth him. You know, you stay focused. Amen. Uh, 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 It says they shall be mine. Guess what? That means you're part of his family. Amen. How does it get any better than that? Amen. Any better than being his. My wife, my wife comes from a family of nine, nine kids. And, uh, and, uh, she's number seven. Amen. And, uh, me, I was an only child. I was an only child. So I don't have that experience. And like I got telling your pastor today, my sister also was an only child. We, we were so far apart in age, we were raised separately. Amen. And so I was a spoiled brat, and uh, I didn't learn all the things you have to learn when you're, you know, in a big, big family, like maybe some of you were, like sharing. <laughs> Things like that. And, uh, and, uh, but she would tell me stories about her brothers, you know, when they were young, picking on the girls and, and, and doing things and all this stuff. And, and I told her, I said, I, it's been a while, but I said, he did that. Let's go. I, let's drive up there. I'll whip him tonight. Amen. She went, no, no. Amen. But what I, under, what I learned about big families, I didn't come from one, was that they all fuss and argue and all that stuff. But they never, ever, ever let anybody disparage or talk bad about a family member. Even though, as humans, they have issues, you settle it and you don't ever, ever let people outside the family know what's going gone. That's something that's been lost in even our day and age in Christianity. And social media is a big contributor. People get on there and whine and complain and say things about preachers, say things about preachers' wives, about other Christians, and they have the people on their friend list. They are lost. And the testimony of Jesus Christ is lost, too. And it ought not be that way. If you're saved in here tonight, you're in His family. Now, that doesn't mean we're all supposed to pretend that we like everything. We're supposed to deal with everything scripturally. Again, how can it get any better than being his? But even with that being true, because we don't heed the word of God, we miss out on some major benefits and blessings and promises and warnings that come from the Father to us children. Amen? I want to finish my course with joy. Don't you? One time, talking about division, one time we had a guy that was causing problems in the church and, and uh, saying things he shouldn't say about the preacher. And I'm a young Christian. I come out of the bike gang world and everything. And uh, I was reading over Romans 16. Pat, read out of that passage the other the other night, and it said, mark them which cause division. And I read that, and I went to the preacher, and I said, brother, I said, uh, I got experience at this. I said, let me go. I'll go dot his eye, and for about a week, he'll remember he's talking bad about the wrong person. That's how we dealt with stuff in the old days. Amen. we take people out back. Amen. <laughs> but he told me that's not what that meant. And not, please, David, no. But uh, we ought to have that attitude, though. You know, it takes two. If somebody's saying something they shouldn't, why are you listening? Aren't you just as guilty? Let's. Uh, I'm not going to have you stand because I've learned from four nights the preacher's got a lot to say. And I, you should be really thankful that you have a shepherd that loves you enough to make a, Take what I'm saying, because I'm just coming here. I don't get briefed, and he brings it home for you. And I'll tell you, the best thing you ever do is learn to respond to it, to learn to value what you've got by a man, from a man that gives account for your soul, and you ought to want him to do it with joy and not with grief, because that's unprofitable for you. Amen. Amen. So I'm not going to have you stand, but uh, I would say this. Buckle up. Come on, Brother Mitchell.